This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and iHeartRadio. If you'd like to send me an email, exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out the programming we have available for you, 724 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. This hour, we're going to be talking about a new book entitled Crisis of Control, How, S- How Artificial Superintelligence May Destroy or Save the Human Race. The author of this book, Peter J. Scott, is my guest this hour, and his resume reads like a Monty Python punchline. Half business coach, half information technology specialist, half teacher, three-quarters daddy. And uh, Peter is coming to us tonight from Victoria, British Columbia, the other side of Canada. So, Peter... Hey there, fellow Canadian, eh? Hey, Rob, thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great having you with us today, Peter. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, away from the Monty Python stuff. Yes, well, as a um, born Englishman, the Monty Python (laughs) runs deep in my veins anyway. Uh, And uh, after graduating from Cambridge University with a degree in computer science, I went to work for NASA at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in California, for uh, about 16 years and then continued working for them uh, after moving, but also got into uh, coaching, uh, neurolinguistic programming. And finally, uh, I was called to write the book that you have there. And we're talking about Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligence May Destroy or Save the Human Race. Um, a lot in the news these days about artificial intelligence and how there are some who believe that you can actually transfer consciousness into supercomputers to have everlasting life. What is your take on that as a, as a computer specialist and expert? Well, it's uh, based on the, the, the idea that human consciousness, the, the human mind, follows uh, an algorithm that we could 
discover and and then emulate in a computer. And in, in one sense, that's uh, bound to be true because mm -hmm. we could uh, emulate the human brain at the level of the molecules that are bouncing around inside it and then uh, presumably would also have the thoughts that come out of it. Uh, that's easier said than done. And uh, this is likely to be quite a while before we get there because it's um, fiendishly difficult to model the human brain at the moment and no one really knows what's going on in, inside it. Right. But in principle, uh, this will happen one day. Ray Kurzweil thinks it's going to happen around 2100, if not sooner. What was your inspiration for writing your book? Well, the inspiration was my children. I, I've been talking about this subject for several years, but mm -hmm. it was uh, it was really a sort of academic plaything. Hey, look what I figured out! Um, aren't I smart to 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 understand this this uh, twin existential risk stemming from technology? But I was I was out I was out running one day actually, and uh, I started talking to myself. Maybe you've had that yes, experience, you know, yes. where it's yep, both yep. you. Um, and I said, well, do you really believe what you're, you're talking about in, this, in the book and the talks here? And I said, well, yes, of course. And they said, well, no, really believe it. And all the parts of you, including the ones that usually disagree with the others. And, and that was a longer answer, but it was still yes. And then I said, well, what does that mean for my children's futures? Because uh, uh, my daughters are, are quite young. And mm -hmm. at that point, they were... Oh, oh, one year old and uh, and five years old, and I didn't like the answer. Uh, I, I and I didn't want to be in the position that one day they would look at me and say, "You mean you knew this was going to happen? Why didn't you do something?" Wow. And so I decided I had to do something, and for for good or ill, the answer I came up with was to explain it to people. Well, I've got to do something now that I do all the time here when we come to a break, and that's. Uh take some commercials, so please stand by. Peter J. Scott is our special guest. He is the author of Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. For more information on Peter, visit his website, humancusp.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. For all the information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and also, you can find the Exxon TV show and the Exxon TV channel on simultv.com. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, 
X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. And welcome back, one and all. Peter J. Scott is my special guest. He is the author of Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. His website, www.humancusp.com. Peter, are we on the brink of a new revelation? I think that this is something on the scale of the agricultural revolution, the uh, industrial revolution, and the information revolution. I think we have the potential to be entering something that is at uh, right angles to the direction that we've been going as all of those were. And I think of it as the human revolution, mm-hmm. where we uh, have to come to grips with what it means to be human Uh, in a world where we could be outclassed at what we think we may be best at, which is thinking. You know, there's a few movies on the uh, little screen right now where computers take over the world, and, you know, we become the slaves to the computers. How realistic is that? There are a a number of scenarios that are worth worrying about in the sense that they uh, are things we ought to start doing something about now to make sure that they they don't happen. Uh, Computers taking over the world in the sense of there's an AI that wants to do that Mm -hmm. and and is acting like a robot is unlikely, although not impossible. Um, But it's not to say that AIs couldn't cause uh, global havoc. Uh, they can well do so accidentally. One of the famous uh, scenarios in, in this respect was brought uh, to light by a gentleman by the name of Nick Bostrom of Oxford, England, called it the paperclip scenario, outlined a, a number of disturbing ways where uh, an AI that was programmed just to do exactly what we told it to, which was maximize paperclip production in a factory, sort of thing that you would uh, expect of a CEO could, if it had enough power, inadvertently uh, destroy the whole human race Wow! in the, in the name of making paperclips uh, just because it wasn't, uh, we, we hadn't thought of programming it uh, the right way. It's a sort of um, be careful what you ask mm-hmm. for. Do you think that machines will become smarter than us? At the point where machines become as smart as a frog or a dog, I expect them to uh, blow past the level of human being within a matter of days. We just don't know what's on the other side of that because we can't imagine what it would be like for something to be thousands Mm -hmm. of times more intelligent than us. There is no one on the planet like that. But that's uh, a human conceit. Uh, That's not to say that it's impossible. And when confronted with something that has that level of intelligence and realize that we would be 
incredibly slow to it and getting slower all the time from its perspective, then you start asking a lot of, of, of questions that previously have only been left to philosophers. Mm-hmm. Are there any checks and balances in place to make sure that we actually don't create a monster that we can't put back into the can? Not enough is the quick answer to that. Uh, there was a meeting earlier this year uh, in Asilomar, which uh, was between AI experts and produced something called the Asilomar Principles, which mm-hmm. you can look up online in a 23 principles for the ethical development of AI that actually go far enough to say useful things about how we should develop AI so that it doesn't accidentally destroy the human race. And you would expect that people working in the field would sign on to these fairly readily, but not necessarily universally. And and not in industries where they have higher priorities, say the military or uh, big finance, uh, and and they've got goals that uh, are not traditionally uh, constrained mm-hmm. by wanting uh, to be as altruistic as possible. And, and then we run the risk that an AI created in uh, that field uh, could have bugs that uh, could cause it to behave in ways that we don't like. And one of the features of uh, AIs at this level is that they will be able to replicate, they will be able to improve how they learn. We won't get to that level of intelligence unless we have created something that knows how to teach itself to think better. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, uh, everyone today has a an iPhone or an iPad computers, smart TVs, smart cars, in my opinion, make stupid drivers, but that's for another show. Smartphones. Uh, Is this a testing ground by the powers-to-be when it comes to advancing supercomputers, how the human race will adapt to these units? (laughs) Well, it feels like that, judging by the amount of time that I uh, feel compelled to spend at mine. Mm -hmm. Um, There will come a point when devices that ubiquitous, uh, that common, will have the power of the human brain. Ray Kurzweil, again, a a futurist and one of the few people willing to stick his neck out and put numbers on this sort of thing, predicts that we will have um, the power of the human brain in something as ubiquitous as an iPhone by 2029. The question then becomes, will we have the software to run a human brain on it? Because right now you could hook up quite a few devices uh, that had iPhone power for, granted, a lot more cost. But if you wanted sure. to get a human brain in, in a computer, then you could you could do it. And that might well be worth uh, thousands or even millions of dollars. Uh, we're not there yet, uh, but it's probably because we haven't yet figured out the code uh, more than a, a lack of hardware. It, it would be, you know, when you look at the advances of the um, commercial computer since, what, 1970, no, 1960-something, 1972, mm-hmm. you know, when the Apple came out, you know, 64K was the big thing. Wow, the first hard drive was a 5 megabyte. Oh, my God. 
and then 20 megabyte was the internal. Now you're talking terabytes. And we're just talking years, and I'm sure that, that the computer industry is further ahead, but they just haven't released it. They're waiting for everybody to catch up. As, as, as somebody in the industry, what do you see the future look like? It is incredibly hard to predict the effects of exponential growth. Um, people laugh when I pull out my iPhone because it's a 3GS. Mm -hmm. It means it's uh, more, than, more than eight years old. And yet even that device has more power in it than all of NASA did in every computer, in every building, in every facility they had at the time of the moon landing. That's right, yeah. It, so it's enough for me at the moment, actually. And and yet exponential growth means that this performance doubles every 18 months or so. Uh, and when you double something that often, uh, that many times, since at least the beginning of transistorization, and you can track it back further than that if you if you accept uh, mechanical analogs, then you you're going to get a revolution. How how can you not? You can now get software on your iPhone for two dollars for an app that does things that you would have paid twenty thousand dollars for not that long ago. Exactly. And 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 so we have to expect that this is going to precipitate radical change. Radical by definition means most people aren't going to, to know what that is until it slaps them upside the, the head. But what about the risk of these computers falling, uh, falling to power failures? What happens? You know, people, people talk about nuclear war, and I'm, I'm taught, you know, my biggest fear is the, the electromagnetic pulse, because that knocks out your electricity, that knocks out everything, and, you know, my God, what would people do without their iPhones, without their computers, without their satellite technology, without the, you know, the electronics and the electric motors that would, would be gone? Yes. Um, well, I'm of an age where I can remember what that was like yeah. uh, quite well. Uh, and, and as much as I might like to think, well, we'd, we'd be all right, uh, it, it would be, of course, catastrophic because mm -hmm. we've taken so many processes that used to work yeah. without those things and made them utterly dependent upon, on, upon those things. So hospitals would be uh, generously back in the Victorian era and, and, and probably uh, most of civilization would not be functioning at all in a case like that, uh, except for whatever the military has uh, has hardened against such cases. It, but it would be interesting to think about whether an AI, um, if it had the goal of uh, of being hostile to the human race, what strategy it would take because nuclear war would be a rather inefficient way of accomplishing that it makes for a good Terminator movie. And I, sure. I love them as much as anyone else, but uh, they, they really set themselves up for failure the way they went about it there. And yet the electro, uh, electromagnetic pulse would catch everybody off guard. You know, you, no communications, like I was saying before, because people, let me give you an example. A lot of people that I know use IP phones. You know, they get it from mm -hmm. their local computer, their local internet provider. The, you know, it's you know, it connects to their phone and away you go, or a Skype phone, or or call central, whatever. I believe in always having a backup plan. I have a hard, hard wired line in my house and in these studios from Bell Canada. The internet goes down. My phone's still going to work. 
Yes, uh, you should. And uh, I have a hardwired phone as yeah. well, in addition to the uh, one that we're we're talking to yeah. on, on Skype at the moment. I'm actually unplugging that hardwired phone right now so it doesn't <laughs> ring and interrupt us. Uh, so I believe in, in the same thing. Yeah. I have a, a backup generator outside because yes. it gets windy here yep. in the winter. I, all my computers have uninterruptible power supplies on them. We have multiple cell phones on different services. Mm -hmm. um, this this doesn't help much when the supermarket relies on a supply chain that has at most three days um, of, of life in it. Right. Uh, and and everything else that we depend upon uh, when the the clinics uh, can't function or or whatever else uh, can't do well there's a curfew because we have to go out. I'm not a prepper in any way. I'm mm -hmm. uh, you're plenty a, of you're people a realist. That can do much better job of that. Yes, but you're a realist. Mm -hmm. You look at the big picture and say, well, you know, cause and effect. And and and. My approach is that I'm not cut out for uh, creating a bunker mm -hmm. and, and hiding in it through the um, through the uh, the crisis. Yeah. Uh, it might not help. And uh, besides, I'm a lousy shot. So <laughs> I, I, I would rather avert it. Uh, and and my approach is to put that into uh, uh, that message out in a way that the most people can make the most use of it. Sounds like a plan. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by, Peter. Thank you so much for joining us. Great pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Likewise. ExoNation, Peter J. Scott is our special guest this hour. He's the author of Crisis of Control, How Artificial and Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. His website is www.humancusp.com. Dot com And Peter and I will be back on the other side of this news break as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal, the science of parapsychology, and all topics that interest you, the members of the Exo Nation around the world. Don't go away. We'll be back. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Yeah, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Smartphones make stupid people. Smart cars make stupid drivers. Oh, you know, nothing, nothing upsets me more than when you're driving down the street and you see these people just going across the street instead of looking at the traffic. What are they doing? They're looking at their iPhones. 
or you go into a restaurant and, you know, all right, maybe I'm too old-fashioned, maybe I'm a fuddy-duddy, but I believe in family unity and, you know, talking to your family, communicating with your family, with your voice, not with your text messages. You go into restaurants these days and you've got people who are sitting at the table with their children. And what's everybody doing? Texting. Nobody talks anymore. Interesting. And, and Peter, how do you see the the use of smartphones and all the other technology that children have access to? Do you see this as a, a plus or do you see this as a negative in society? Mm, that's a good question. I was just thinking that maybe the smart cars will avoid running over uh, pedestrians in the sidewalk who are carrying iPhones um, out of uh, professional courtesy. Um, to their, their their fellow devices, I have I have two children, as I said. That um, uh, this makes this this a, a personal decision, mm-hmm. and I'm uh, well. This is not a par- I'm not here to to uh, talk about parenting skills, fortunately, or uh, that would be a very short conversation. <laughs> and uh, and I I think that there must be an evolution of this. We know that there will be a revolution uh, in the way that humanity relates to uh, its computers. Yeah. Uh, and and, and it, hopefully that will be something that uh, isn't terminated by the end or relevancy of the human race. And that will be some kind of symbiosis. I just hope and pray that it's a better one than what we have right now because being glued to a, a cell phone, uh, as you say, doesn't make for crossing the street very easily and has a host of other problems yeah. like neck muscles and attention span. And uh, it, it's, been, yeah. it's been demonstrated that uh, it robs uh, – having a, a smartphone in your pocket robs you of part of your intelligence even if you're not looking at it. Just the fact that it's – that you know that it's there, does that? I don't. I don't like that a bit either. Um, but they are here to stay. So somewhere down this road, I would like to believe that, that we have a way of interacting with computers that is um, more human mm-hmm. than what we've achieved so far. I have a problem with the educational system today because if our children have access to these smartphones and computers. Why do we need schools? You know, because if you've got, like, once again, if, you, if you've got a question, the child has the answer in his hand. Why does he... You know, we like, haven't learned how to, how to uh, make a, a, a computerized teacher yet, and I'm in no hurry to see that, that happen. I, I've seen schools where they, they, they allow the children to have uh, devices mm-hmm. and, and, and encourage it. It doesn't happen at my daughter's school, fortunately. Uh, when they get into high school, I'm not sure what's going to to, to happen. Um, but uh, I think in the future, uh, we can anticipate that there will be radically different ways of communicating with computers. We can see the, the harbingers of that with Elon Musk's Neuralink effort. It's very clear what Elon Musk's priorities are. And the only reason for him to get into something uh, in that field at this point, with as much energy as he's putting into going to Mars and uh, digging tunnels and uh, putting out electric smart cars, 
is what he says about the future of the human race versus artificial intelligence, that we will need to be able to communicate with it better uh, than we can right now, which is going to be extremely slowly as from the AI point of view. But are we going to need to escape from AI? And if so, can we just pull out the plug? Mm. I would like to uh, escape from technology, having been, having it be such a part of my, my work day to day. There are uh, times when I look forward to those mm -hmm. moments and, and, and times without it. I need to spend more of that but pulling out the plug sounds like the uh, an easy answer to the problem, and, and quite a few people have said that. Well, it, it can't be an issue of AIs getting away from us because we'll just unplug them. Uh, and I'm afraid it's just not that easy. They don't look like robots or a device sitting in, in the corner where mm -hmm. you just there's a wire, you pull it out, like on Star Trek episode, the ultimate computer. Well, there was a wire, you unplug it, but it wouldn't let them. Well, it, it's harder than than that too because these programs will reside in the cloud. You just literally don't know where they are. Um, I, I doubt even Apple has a, a good enough idea of where Siri is, and, and they could probably shut it down. Uh, they would have enough control of that. But if, if something gets out into the network and stops hopping around the cloud at its own whim, we won't have a clue where it is. You would have to unplug every device in the world to have a, um, a, a hope of doing that. I, I think a, a good a good demonstration of this would be the movie 2001 Space Odyssey with Hal, the computer. Mm -hmm. You know, they tried to unplug Hal. And... Oh, well, they they got to the point of, of unplugging him, and, and of course the, the ship then uh, didn't have the computer to control right. it. Uh, that was successful because that was a very... Uh, specialized case. You had the one computer, it's not connected to anything else because you're in a spacecraft a billion mm -hmm. miles away from Earth. Uh, but Hal was uh, an interesting example, a very thoughtful one, of an AI faced with trying to reconcile the, the sort of conflicting inputs that humans deal with constantly, but his programming wasn't up to it and it just drove him nuts. Exactly. Like, uh, th there's a ripple effect that would come into play if you were to just pull out the plug. Because, like you and I were discussing earlier, you, it would affect everybody and everything. And I don't think that there is enough knowledge on any one page where people could actually say, "All right, if we pull out the plug, that's going to be the the solution to the problem." We may be creating a larger problem by pulling out the plug. Yes, pulling, well, even attempting to pull out a plug would create many more problems than would apparently uh, solve. And I, I would like to uh, just momentarily revisit what you were sure. uh, saying about the uh, teachers in, in schools and uh, mm -hmm. devices in schools, because it, it does remind me that there are some short-term effects that are a lot less speculative than what we're talking about. We are guaranteed that within 10, uh, 20 years at most, uh, roughly half of the job functions in the, um, the Western world will, and, and others will be uh, automated to an extent that uh, an unprecedented number of, of jobs will be affected. So it, it, it 
It really is is smart for people to start finding out to what extent their job can be automated. It's it's not a matter of well half the jobs on the planet will will be eliminated and everyone else will be fine. It's a varying degree. Some jobs they can automate 97% of them. Other jobs it's a small proportion. Uh, one of them um, that it's a small proportion of, fortunately, is is teacher. And I I look at what my uh, daughter's teachers do, and I I think. My gosh, I, uh, they don't get paid enough. Um, that's uh, a, a phenomenally difficult thing, it and is. it is dependent upon emotional connection to such a degree that it is not going to uh, be supplanted by an AI anytime soon. And, and maybe that will lead to a, a point where there's uh, a, a renaissance, uh, a resurgence in in teaching positions, because it is one of those things that will be left, uh, that will there will then be more competition for perhaps, and and maybe finally teachers will get their their the recognition and due that they they deserve. I can't remember who the author was, but I I seen a book came across my desk a couple of uh, months ago, and ba- the just of the story is is that AI took over the world, brought the world to a catastrophic end. And then the world started off all over again. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think there are several. I'm, 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 I'm struggling to remember which one that might be. Yeah. Um, but would we want to start off all over again? I, I, it depends how far we're we're going back. If uh, if it's a hundred years, that's mm-hmm. one thing. If it's a million years, that's a, a different proposition. I don't want to go back that far. Oh, no, neither do I, because I don't think I could stay up that late anymore. Yeah. Um, we we talked about AI and emotions, but what about ethics? Right. We don't have a good enough idea yet what ethics for people are. Um, I'm certainly not agreement. Individuals may have uh, uh, a good handle on it themselves, but collectively, this is a hard thing to 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 come to agreement on to explain to computers that's summed up in the paperclip problem. Mm-hmm. How do you create um, something with that goal and, and, and make sure that it doesn't uh, take off in the wrong direction somewhere and, and, and do that? Asimov, uh, Isaac Asimov, many years ago, came up with the first ethics for robots. There's three laws of robotics. And uh, for anyone who hasn't heard those, they're briefly. Uh, first law is that a robot may not harm a human being or through inaction cause a, a human being to come to harm. Uh, and secondly, a, a robot must follow the orders given to it by a human being except where they conflict with the first law. And thirdly, a robot must protect its own existence unless that conflicts with the first or second law. Um, on the face of it, that's a mm-hmm. great start for ethics for computers. Unfortunately, Asimov himself pointed out in many stories just how many loopholes there were in those that uh, would cause problems. Substitute AI for robot, and we have the, the same situation. All right, we've, we've talked about the negative aspects, just some of the negative aspects. What are some of the positive aspects that you see AI bringing to humanity? They are incredible. The, the, the prospect for ending disease, aging, uh, any problem that we have on a societal level is something that uh, a super intelligence 
uh, operating from objective point of compassion and ethics uh, would find quick solutions to uh, cancer or uh, other diseases would, would, would just fall in, in front of this thing. So there's the potential there for uh, an unparalleled utopia in our experience if we allow that to be shared, if we, uh, uh, if we don't try and, and, and use it in a zero-sum game. Well, some people can have this, but that means others can't, uh, because that then will not be demonstrating the right kind of ethics to an AI that we need to behave better than us. All right, Peter, please stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour. Peter Scott, www.humancusp.com. That's www.humancusp.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to uh, find out about Peter... The name of his book is Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. And once again, his website is humancusp.com. We'll be back after this break. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back, everyone. Peter J. Scott is our special guest this hour, www.humancusp.com. Dot com and uh, Peter is the author of a new book, Crisis or a uh, Crisis of Control: How Artificial and Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. Once again, his website is www.humancusp.com. Peter, first of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show. But I have to ask you this: before we went to the break, we were talking about the advantages of artificial intelligence. And you gave the example about curing, dis curing diseases, cancer, for example. Why will it take 
artificial intelligence too to cure these diseases when we have computers today researchers using those computers today and they can't at this point cure cancer so what would the advantage or how would a uh, how would artificial intelligence tackle this this problem in a different manner so it's about using a, a certain level of intelligence to process the data that we already have if okay. you look at the body of of data that's been published uh, so far there are 20,000 papers published in scientific disciplines every day wow. at the moment and in oncology alone no human being can keep up with them when the watson uh, computer that one jeopardy uh, got trained on uh, reading uh, radiological scans and went to work for sloan kettering memorial hospital they thought that well, maybe it would diagnose five percent of the cases that they couldn't and besides ibm was picking up the tab as a demonstration so they said sure and it, it di diagnosed something like 20 or 30 oh percent of the ones that they couldn't mm -hmm. and they said well why and they found that it was because watson was current on reading the medical literature they were six months behind and that was the difference that 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 made mm -hmm. now watson's level of understanding of medical papers could be far superseded by an ai that's actually able to impute a lot more meaning to what it reads and if you think about how many millions of papers have been published in so many languages over so many years imagine the that what could be found by hooking up the connections between all of those someone in in Philippines published a, a paper in Tagalog in 1987 that uh, reported on one piece of research. Someone in Romania published a paper in 1999 in Romanian that, that made another connection, but no one has put those together yet. Well, for an AI, it would be easy for it to read every paper ever written in every language and find those connections to understand the meaning in them. And, and when we think of how much might be on the table mm -hmm. there, then to, to suppose that there might be a, a cure for cancer in what we already have found out is not that much of a stretch. You know, we were also talking about uh, the use of AI taking a major percent of the employment away from humans. What are these humans supposed to do? And and what about the the unemployment that we already have you know it's a big thing every every friday to see the unemployment figures whether they go up or they go down and it's also a major part of the of the uh, the goal of every government is to increase these on a to decrease the unemployment figures if we have computers and ai taking over these jobs unemployment figures go up unemployment insurance goes up uh, people won't be able to pay their their mortgages, food. We're going to create another crisis. Right. And this time, there so far does not appear to be enough jobs created as a result of AI mm -hmm. that would uh, come close to replacing what they uh, supplant, what, what they, they take over. And that's why many people who are looking at this are talking about universal basic income as being a, well, a wealth redistribution mechanism for taking that AI dividend of, of what they have provided and in ensuring that 
you don't have a, an, an underclass that you just can't find jobs for that now uh, can't survive. So we're talking about the unification of the globe, and we're actually talking about the one world order. It, whether it takes one world to do that or whether you do it in, uh, mm -hmm. in different point solutions, uh, I don't know. Uh, I would like to think that we will get smarter about being compassionate uh, and to each other and, uh, and, and sharing what we have more. We don't have a hunger problem in the world. We have a food distribution. Well, we do have a hunger problem. We don't have a food shortage. We have a, a food distribution problem. We don't have a um, money shortage problem. We have a poverty problem and, a, and a, a money distribution problem. And then we're going to be talking the same thing about employment mm -hmm. shortly. So how is AI going to help this? I, I can see it if AI was going to come in and feed the hungry, cure the sick, make mm -hmm. sure there's jobs for everybody, you know, and... and everybody goes to bed with a full tummy they they're nice and warm but from what i'm gathering ai is going to be taking a lot of what we have away from us in the name of science and technology right the um i i i like to think that it will also save us from ourselves you see one of the other uh, sides of uh, exponentially advancing mm -hmm. technology that that gets a bit less attention is that it it makes it easier for average people to create increasingly powerful um, and dangerous weapons like biotechnology and 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 so in in not so many years it will be equally easy for some lone wolf in a garage or a basement mm -hmm. to make a killer viruses now I have no clue how we construct a society where that is not going to be as much of a threat. But if we have the assistance of a large number of in, intelligent or super intelligent AIs that are on our side and we have demonstrated to them the compassion that makes them our partners, well, I'm a lot more optimistic that they will find a way f for doing that that works for us. So and that will lead us to a, a human revolution where we focus not as we did before on agriculture or industry mm -hmm. or technology, but on the human heart. Uh, okay. You know, people complain now about Big Brother watching them. What's going to happen with AI? AI will know everything and you won't be able to to voice your opinion that Big Brother is watching because it'll be part of society. How is, how is society going to adapt to that? It certainly depends on which part of society, um, although I, I chafe at this as well. I come from England, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and Britain is a, a, a nation that has certainly embraced the closed-circuit TV camera. Yes. You just cannot move in London without mm -hmm. being on multiple ones of them. And, and, and that's their... Uh, approach to the solving societal problems uh, of crime in in any guise is is to uh, survey the heck out of the, the population, and 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 we are moving in that direction more and more with camera surveillance and also what uh, the NSA uh, and Google and Facebook uh, collect on us. Sure. 
I, I think it's a huge challenge to know how we will get to a future where we can be safe mm -hmm. without simultaneously having to use so much of that information that uh, abuse is a very real problem. You know, I laugh at uh, some of the people that I've had on the show, and I do this quite openly. Whatever I say to somebody behind somebody's back, I've already said to their face, number one, I believe if you have nothing to fear, you have nothing to hide. I'm sorry, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear, number one. Number two, the people who say that Big Brother is watching are the very same people who use Google, Facebook, and everything else. And then when you say to them, I said, well, how do you know that the information that you're using to retrieve the information is not being acquired by the very forces that you believe are intruding on your, on your privacy? And you know what? They, 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 they just say, well, it's impossible. How do we how do we get the the playing field to be level? There are natural uh, checks and balances or feedback loops in this process at the moment. If if Facebook suddenly went off the rails and started uh, abusing uh, the amount of data that it has, which it could, then there would rapidly be some forces brought uh, to bear that that would bring it back in line. Mm -hmm. And 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 the same with Google. Um, so. These are, uh, I think, not most people's concern because, rightly, they uh, they think, well, I'm I'm trading this for the ability for Amazon to suggest to me what I ought to buy next, and it makes some pretty good suggestions. So uh, I'm I'm not going to to give that up. The the risk is that down the road, some AI that is less ethical and far more powerful has a a mood swing that by the time we have corrected it has done um, far more damage than than we would like to have have seen peter it's time for us to say so long for tonight but i want to thank you so much for joining us it's been a great pleasure talking to you congratulations on your work congratulations on your book and Exxon Nation, if you'd like to get a copy of Peter's book, it's entitled Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. And Peter, where is your book available? It's available on Amazon and uh, in bookstores if you ask them to special order it. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. A great pleasure. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the Exxon. Very much so, Rob. Thank you for having me on the show. Take care, my friend. Exonation, once again, if you'd like to find out more about Peter, his website is www.humancusp.com. And the name of his book, Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligences May Destroy or Save the Human Race. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> 